This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about Adult Swim losing almost all of the Fox cartoons, the state of Google Stadia, and this will be part one of a multi-part series because Google Stadia is a new service, and as they add more and more features to the service, there will be more and more to talk about. And last but not least, we'll be talking about movie theaters beyond COVID-19. And without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, so first up, we can start talking about Adult Swim and its loss of almost all of the Fox cartoons. So... If you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you know what Adult Swim does and who they are. But for those who don't, I'm going to give a brief explanation. Adult Swim is the late night arm of Cartoon Network, and it was started in 2001 and still goes on to this very day airing a lot of adult animation, as well as a few live-action programs. So, now that I've gotten that out of the way, you can talk about their relationship with Fox cartoons. So, the first Fox cartoon that I'm going to talk about is Futurama, which Adult Swim had acquired the rights to in 2003, and it aired on Adult Swim until 2007. And shortly after that, Comedy Central picked up the rights to the show and started actually producing new episodes until 2013, when the series had finally ended on Comedy Central. 
And now I'm going to go back to 2003 when Adult Swim had also acquired the rights to Family Guy. And Adult Swim has probably, or this has probably been the show that they've had on the air, or one of the shows that they've had on the air the longest, because Adult Swim is to be given the credit for reviving interest in Family Guy in the early 2000s and the mid 2000s, because Adult Swim had some success with their airing of Family Guy back then. It caused Fox to renew the series after, or to revive the series after its cancellation. And Adult Swim still airs Family Guy to this very day. And then we can jump back to, or we can jump forward to 2009 when Adult Swim picked up the rights to King of the Hill and started airing it in 2010. And they aired it all the way up to 2018. And Comedy Central ended up picking up the rights to that show, along with the Cleveland show. And the Cleveland show used to air on Adult Swim as well. And so the last one I want to talk about is a show that I don't really watch very much because in a previous episode, I had said that I didn't really enjoy the humor of it. And that show is Bob's Burgers. Adult Swim acquired the rights of Bob's Burgers in 2013 and still airs it to this very day. But that will change along with Family Guy. And so now I can, and so now we're starting to see that Adult Swim is losing a lot of the Fox cartoons that it had made popular and it had it had breathed new life into. And so I want to talk about the beginning of the end of Adult Swim's relationship with the Fox cartoons. So, of course, it all started back in 2000 or right around 2007 to 2008 when Comedy Central picked up the rights to Futurama after Adult Swim let the rights expire. After that, Comedy Central has slowly started picking up more and more animated series, and they continued with eventually swooping up King of the Hill and The Cleveland Show from Adult Swim in 2018. And so Comedy Central has effectively robbed Adult Swim of <laughs> two of the shows that that it really relied heavily on. And that's something that a lot of fans of Adult Swim kind of give it a little bit of flack for, is that Adult Swim relied a lot on the Fox cartoons. Like, I remember in the mid-2010s and even the early 2010s and the late 2000s, the Fox cartoons would take up a lot of Adult Swim schedule. And so right now, the Fox cartoons that air on Adult Swim are Family Guy, American Dad, and Bob's Burgers. 
those are the only three that are left. And so Adult Swim has kind of had to start putting their own originals into their schedule a bit more because they're losing all of these very popular Fox cartoons to Comedy Central. But Comedy Central isn't the only network that they're losing the Fox cartoons to. In 2019, right after FX became part of Disney as part of the 21st Century Fox acquisition by Disney, FXX acquired the rights to Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and began airing those shows later that year. So FXX is now part of Disney and now they have even more of a interest in animation because they want to have shows to go along with The Simpsons, which FXX has been airing since 2013, I believe. And in that, or in the announcement that FXX was acquiring Family Guy and Bob's Burgers, it said that until or Adult Swim and TBS will have the rights to Family Guy until fall 2021 and Bob's Burgers a couple of years after that. So Adult Swim's time with Family Guy is, or Adult Swim's days with Family Guy are now numbered. So we will eventually see a day where Adult Swim is pretty much defoxed, if you will. Um, they won't have any Fox cartoons except for American Dad. And the reason why American Dad is staying put is because Adult Swim's sister network, TBS, is still producing new episodes of it. And Adult Swim and TBS are owned by the same company. So there's that. Where do you think Adult Swim will go from from there? Like after Family Guy and Bob's Burgers leave, which those two shows take up a pretty good chunk of Adult Swim's schedule, where do you think they'll go? I have some opinions on that, and I think we have to look back to around 2017. So twenty in 2017, Disney announced that they were going to be acquiring 21st Century Fox. And unless the executives at Adult Swim were completely oblivious, they had to have known that something like this was coming. And so now if you look at Adult Swim, they try and experiment with different shows to put at the start of the block right after Cartoon Network goes off for the night. And we start to see them investing in more original content rather than just relying on the Fox cartoons to be rating straws that they've been for almost two decades now. And so you see that 
Adult Swim has been trying out a lot of things. Like they ordered 70 episodes of Rick and Morty and they've ordered so, or they've greenlit so many new cartoons that could potentially take the place of the Fox cartoons that they're losing. And we're starting to see them invest in more cartoons that have a mainstream appeal, like Rick and Morty, like Mike Tyson Mysteries, and things like that. So we're also starting to see them invest more in Toonami. For example, they were investing a lot in original content for Toonami, such as Blade Runner, which is being co-developed with Crunchyroll, as well as Uzumaki, which is scheduled to be premiering later this year. And that's just one way that Adult Swim is diversifying their lineup in order to combat the loss of the Fox cartoons. And I think that it opens the door for Adult Swim to try other things to diversify their lineup in the wake of the loss of the Fox cartoons. We're also seeing them invest in other genres like action. And they did that with Samurai Jack season five. And they also did that with Primal more recently. And so I think Adult Swim is doing some good things here investing in both the comedy and the action sides of their network. And I think it would be wise of them to try out different things to see what sticks with their viewers. And so what do you think? Do you think that Adult Swim should try and squeeze the Fox cartoons out of all of what they're worth? before they lose them? Or do you think that they should start trying out different things in order to soften the blow when they eventually do lose the Fox cartoons, except for American Dad? Let me know what you think on our social media, and I'll have links to that in the show notes. All right, that's it for this topic. Up next, we'll be talking about the state of Google Stadia. Then after that, we'll talk about movie theaters beyond COVID-19. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. Welcome back. And so right now we're going to talk about the state of Stadia. And this will be part one of a multi-part series. So for those of you who don't know, Google Stadia is a cloud gaming service that has the ability to stream games from Google's cloud servers onto your TV, your laptop, your tablet, or your phone. And 
and it doesn't require a console in order to use it. All you need is just a controller, and you can either use the official Stadia controller, or you can use any HID-compliant controller like the Xbox One controller or the PS4 controller or the Nintendo Switch Pro controller or anything that you want, really, as long as it's HID-compliant. Or you can even use a keyboard and mouse if you're on PC. So now I've gotten the introduction of Stadia out of the way. How has it been like to use it? Well, while I admit that it doesn't have the... It doesn't have the widest selection of games. and It hasn't had that from the start, but it has improved. And Google has been consistently adding features to Stadia to make it a more enjoyable experience. And I think that as they add more games and more features, I think it'll only improve. Now, whether the gamers will will warm up to the platform is up for debate. But I think that if they have animosity towards the platform, I mean, hey, that's their choice. But I think those people are probably the people who have already invested so much time into a particular platform, whether it's the PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, or PC, or what have you. And so this isn't for them. This is for people who don't have an existing game library who want to get into more casual gaming. And I won't somewhat fall into that camp. So I think I think Stadia is great. I've played it on my TV. I've played it on my laptop. I played it on my tablet. I haven't played it on my phone just yet. And I don't intend to just because it's a, such a small screen that why would I even bother playing on it? I would rather just play a mobile game on a phone. <laughs> so I would save that for my tablet, laptop, or TV. But anyway, now I've shared my experience, we can go into the April 2020 Stadia Connect. And so at the time of this recording, two days ago, Google had their Stadia Connect, and they had announced that a lot of games are going to be coming to Stadia later this year and some are available now and so the first one or the biggest one i should say is player unknowns battlegrounds or PUBG for short that's available now with stadia pro and you can play it on stadia using your controller free of charge once you sign up for stadia pro They also announced the partnership with Electronic Arts, or EA, with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order being one of the first EA games to come to Stadia later this year, in the fall, I think. So that's pretty exciting. Then they also have uh, Madden NFL and FIFA. 
coming down the pipeline as well from EA. And then they also announced some more games like Wave Break, which I'm pretty excited to play. That I think that was probably my favorite game reveal of the Stadia Connect. They announced Krata. They announced Get Packed is available now, and that's a Stadia exclusive for now. And others um, that are coming later this year. And so, yeah, I think Stadia is, I think it's in a pretty good spot. And I'm glad that more and more developers are coming to the platform and especially EA, which is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest gaming company has thrown their support behind Stadia. I think that's pretty great for the platform and hopefully It'll inspire other developers to do the same. So, yeah, I think that will be really great for the platform. And I'm really excited to play Wave Break and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because Wave Break just looks very fun. And I've enjoyed a lot of sports games, which, well, I shouldn't say I've enjoyed a lot of sports games. Well, Actually, yeah, I have because I enjoyed playing a little bit of The Crew 2. I've enjoyed playing Trials Rising, which I didn't think I would enjoy, but I actually enjoy a lot. And I've vlogged a lot of hours on that game. And and so, yeah, I'm pretty excited that the wave break is coming and I look forward to playing that. And then as far as Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, I've wanted to play that on Stadia ever since I bought it on Xbox. And on Xbox, the game looks great and, you know, it's it's a pretty good game. But I think the problem with me was that because I had gotten it physically, like I had to wait for it to down. Well, even if you get a digital, you still have to wait for it to download. But yeah, waiting for that game to download took forever. <laughs> it took way too long for it to download. And that's one of the benefits of Stadia is that you don't have to wait for downloads as soon as you uh, claim the game if it's included with your Stadia Pro membership or you purchase the game from the Stadia store, you're instantly able to play it. And so all you have to do is just click the play button and boom, you're in. You're in the game. No no downloads, no installs, no, or none of that. Just buy and play and that's why Stadia has been a pretty, or it's been a breath of fresh air for me. And so, and so now that I've talked about like the Stadia Connect and everything I'm excited for, I want to talk about what has improved since launch. So, as I said earlier, Google may not have launched Stadia in the best way and it definitely got a lot of negative attention from consumers or it got a negative public reaction and even so like i or i still 
or I still use the platform, but it launched with only 22 games, which is a very, very small number of games. And a lot of those games were available already on other platforms. So you could see that like the value proposition wasn't really clicking for people. And so I think that the game library has definitely improved since launch. And at the time of this episode's release, there will be 45 games on Stadia. So more than doubled the amount that they've launched with. And so I think that's a step in the right direction. And as I just said, from the Stadia Connect, there are a lot more games to come to Stadia. So I think that Google's doing a pretty good job on the games front of Stadia. Another thing that caused a lot of negative reactions to Stadia is the perception that Google didn't deliver on their 4K60 promise where games on Stadia could run up to 4K at 60 frames per second. And it was up to the developers to optimize the game for the Stadia platform. And very few developers did that. So that only added to the negative reaction to Stadia. And then they didn't have features like Google Assistant integration at launch, and they didn't have the ability to launch games from YouTube or stream games directly from YouTube or a crowd play feature where if you were streaming on YouTube, you could allow your audience to play with you. And all the negative perceptions of Stadia just started piling up to where uh, a lot of gamers, can you tell I don't really like the gaming community that much? A lot of gamers, they want Stadia to fail. And so what I think is that Google has improved a lot since launch. They've improved the game library. They've added new features such as 4K gaming on the web. If you have a laptop with or a computer with a 4K screen or a 4K monitor, they also added achievements, which is something that not even the Nintendo Switch has at the moment. So the fact that Stadia was able to add it in such a short time after launch was pretty good. And like, yeah, Google's been adding a lot of features to to Stadia. And like, I can see that they really do care about investing in the platform. And hopefully they're in this for the long haul. And I think that Stadia could actually be a very accessible way to get into gaming. And yeah, I think that also they could improve some things. For example, yeah, they could add more support for for devices, particularly iPhones and iPads, because um, those devices aren't supported yet, but 
that's not entirely Google's fault. I think Apple doesn't support certain technologies that Stadia runs on. So Apple needs to implement support for that. And once they do that, then they can start developing the app for iOS devices. Also, I think they should add support for the regular Chromecast, because if you want to play on a TV right now, you have to have a Chromecast Ultra, and that's 70 bucks. And so I think that if they added support for the regular Chromecast, which is half the price of the Ultra at $35, I think that they could get more and more people playing on the TV. But you also have to have the Stadia controller, which is another $70. Um, so, so, yeah, I think they could, I think they could add more ways for people to play, like more device support. And I think more device support, especially on the Apple side of things, would definitely help. And I think that I would save more games, but they're already working on adding more games. So I won't beat that dead horse. And yeah, I, I can't really, I can't really think of much more to add. Oh, the ability to purchase games on the TV, because if you want to purchase games, you're either going to have to use the mobile app or you'll have to use the Stadia web app which is available via any Chrome-based browser. So, so obviously Google Chrome, the newer version of Microsoft Edge also supports it because it's based on the Chromium engine, which powers Google Chrome. And then Brave browser supports it. And those are like the top three that I know support it, but basically... If you have a Chromium-based browser, you should be able to play Stadia on it. And so, yeah, if you want to try out Stadia, there will be a link in the show notes for you to do that. And let me know what you think of the platform. Do you think that it has any potential? Do you think it's dead on arrival like the gamers do? Let me know what you think. What do you think they could improve? What do you think they've done well? Let me know these things on social media. I'll have links in the show notes for that. And that'll do it. Up next, we'll be talking about movie theaters beyond COVID-19. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. Welcome back. And now we're going to talk about movie theaters beyond COVID-19. And so what sparked this topic was that the DreamWorks animated movie Trolls World Tour actually did very well on video on demand because that was kind of the only place you could see it here in the U.S. due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
shutting down all of the theaters. And because of Trolls World Tours' success, Universal Pictures and NBC Universal as a whole said that they were considering releasing movies both in theaters and on demand after this whole pandemic is over. And in response, AMC Theaters and Regal had both decided to ban all Universal movies from their theaters in protest to NBC Universal's decision. And I think that it's just, it's not a good strategy. At least I don't think so. Oh, you're taking your movie on demand and you're not respecting the release window. So we're just going to ban your movie and cut ourselves off from the profits entirely. And that just doesn't make sense to me, especially when Universal releases a lot more than just DreamWorks animated movies. I mean, they release a lot of live action stuff too, especially Jordan Peele films. And those films Because of Get Out and Us, those films have become very popular and are basically kind of like guaranteed money makers at this point. So especially people in the African-American community, we will show up to a Jordan Peele movie. So and and I'm sure there are a lot of other franchises that are under the NBC Universal umbrella that AMC and Regal are excluding themselves from sharing any of the profits from. Like, for example, like the Despicable Me and Minions franchises. Those movies make a lot of money. And because they're so cheaply produced by Illumination, they don't have to sell that many tickets to make their money back. So it would be really hard to to fuck up that movie or to, to fuck up in that franchise, especially for Illumination. So coming from a former theater employee's perspective, because for those of you who don't know, I used to work at a movie theater. And so... The theaters, they don't get any money from ticket sales. They make their money from the concessions, stands, and things like that. And that's why the concessions are so expensive at the movie theaters. And so I think that by excluding Universal Films from their theaters, AMC and Regal have effectively cut themselves off from up to 20% of of the films or of the revenue that they could get 
because they won't be able to sell concessions from any Universal movies, any DreamWorks movies, any Illumination movies. They can't sell concessions and they can't sell anything else that they want to sell. And that will cause less people to go to the movie theaters and movie theaters are already struggling with less people going to them year over year. And that's even worse now with the COVID-19 pandemic because nobody's going to the theaters. And even after the COVID-19 pandemic is over, I'm pretty sure there's a pretty good amount of people that won't want to go outside. And if they can stream their movies from their home, why would they need to go into the theater? And plus, in Trolls World Tour's case, Trolls World Tour was around $20 to $25. I think it's $20 to rent, $25 to own. For someone like me, if I was watching that by myself, that wouldn't be a good use of my money. But for a family of maybe three or four, that's a significant cost savings because now you don't have to buy separate tickets. You can all watch the movie at the same time. So $20 split three ways for a family of three, that's $6.67 per person. So like that's way cheaper than the uh, $13, $14. And that's the base price. And that's if you're seeing a movie in 2D for each ticket. So that's already a cost savings there. And then if you have snacks at home, you can just eat snacks at home while you're watching the movie. You don't have to pay theater prices for the snacks. And so as more and more people get accustomed to living without movie theaters in their lives, I think that AMC and Regal aren't making the wisest move. I think it's just like, who the hell do you think you are, Universal, kind of thing. And I don't think that's the right move because... That's just the world we live in now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And whether theaters like it or not, studios have to get their movies out somehow. They've they've spent a lot of time, money making those movies. And in Trolls World Tour's case, like there were probably advertising and there was probably a lot of merch lined up for that movie's release. So they had to get it out just to maximize um, the chances for sales of that merch. And I don't think that AMC and Regal are making the right move because if they don't hash things out with Universal, I think they're only hurting themselves in the long run. And possibly accelerating their demise and who knows if things continue to go the way they are movie theaters may very well go the way of blockbuster very soon and so that'll do it for this topic let me know do you think that 
Universal is doing the right thing by releasing their movies in theaters and on demand at the same time? Do you think AMC and Regal are doing the right thing by standing up to them? What are your thoughts? Let me know on our social media networks. I'll have links to those in the show notes. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and thank you for staying home and staying inside and staying safe and following the CDC and WHO guidelines as we navigate this pandemic together. I would just like to remind you that if you would like to discuss any of the topics that were talked about in this podcast, all of our social media is linked in the show notes and um, you can also now watch episodes on YouTube and that will be linked in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you for listening. My name is Chibeze Anakor and I'm your host signing off.